Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, or g'day, from Down Under, as I am back in Sydney, baby, feeling smug that I managed to escape the worst of the winter in the UK, as my cousin very kindly offered to put us up for the majority of our stay. To put somebody up, a phrasal verb which means to accommodate them or to host them. And so as my wife Stacy and I are now both working for ourselves and are remote based, we were able to do what I've been dreaming of doing since I was 18, which was to pack up our laptops when the thermostat hits zero, chase the sun and plop the laptops back down, gently of course, in a place boasting 30 degrees Celsius. And you know what? It could be my imagination, but I feel like my British friends and certainly my family members are not wanting to talk to me as much right now. Again, they probably don't have the headspace to even, you know, care, but I kind of feel like I've abandoned them in battle, having walked off just when the enemy are about to attack because you know, the magic of Christmas gets Brits through the first half of the winter, but when January comes, we all get a bit sad. And it's not until March that we start to smile again. So I do feel a bit like a traitor, but I'm also loving the sun. I guess that tells you something about my moral fibre. But anyway, as I mentioned, my cousin has put us up for two to three weeks. And as I managed to travel with my microphones, despite security at the airport accusing me of owning some rather aggressive looking sex toys, um, you know, through the lens of an x-ray machine, a microphone looks pretty suspect. But I was able to get through and then whip them out in Sydney and uh, record a conversation with my cousin. He's actually my second cousin, which means we don't share a grandparent, but we do share a great grandparent. And I felt like you would enjoy hearing about his journey as he has lived in the UK, in London, and has traveled around the British Isles and all over Europe, really, for the majority of his 20s. So he's had the ability to compare and contrast cultures as an outsider, being that he was born and raised in Australia. And he also shares a brilliant story about how he managed to keep his cost of living down when he was backpacking at one point. So um, yes, sit back, relax, get the kettle on and get ready to enjoy a conversation with my cousin from Down Under called Jordan. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. 
Hello, Jordan. Hello, Charlie. How are you going? I'm going well. Yeah. Because in England, do you know what we would say instead of how you're going? Uh, in London, I hear him say, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. All right, mate. So you're doing well today, though. I'm doing well. Yeah. Nice. It's a hot one today, isn't it? Yeah, it was 37 degrees today, so it's pretty pretty hot. Even for um, Australia standards, it was pretty warm. Yeah. You don't get too many of them in the summer, do you? No. Uh, we Probably, I think this was the, the hottest day in about four years. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So I've come from England and uh, it was the winter. So it was zero degrees when we left and it was minus five when we landed here. Obviously didn't get to experience that, but it's gone from zero to 37 pretty quickly for me. And I've, I've actually got blisters on my hand. I think they're heat blisters <laughs> and I keep popping them. It's a bit disgusting <laughs> for everyone, but yeah. So um, we're in a different climate for me, but we're here to talk about your experience abroad. But before that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and, and your experience in Australia? Sure. Well, I guess I am Australian. I was born here. Um, so I was born in a little town called Byron Bay, which is quite famous on the, the backpacker travel route around Australia. Absolutely. Uh, so it's on the, the east, the most easterly point of Australia. So juts out into the Pacific Ocean. Um, the whales that travel up and down the east coast in winter pass that point. And, and because it's the really juts out there, they pass quite close to the land. And so every winter there's a big display of whales as they pass by. So that brings in a lot, in a lot of the tourists. Um, but also it's big on the backpacker trail. So usually we get British, German, Dutch, and more recently Venezuelan, South American uh, travellers who come to Argentinian who come to Australia, they spend usually, they plan to spend a week in Byron Bay, but end up staying for a month or even a year. And so you would mingle with those tourists and those backpackers regularly? Yeah. As a teenager, just coming out of high school and then turning 18, which is the age that you can drink alcohol, go to bars, go to pubs, uh, that's when I would interact with them more. Right. Because, you know, they're usually 18, 19, they've just finished high school in their own country yeah, and they're traveling around Australia. Uh -huh. And so that was usually when we'd first meet them. Yes. And uh, did you notice a difference between certain cultures and how receptive they were to you as an Aussie? Um, when I was also out at a bar or a pub, they'd be pretty eager to meet a local yeah. Byron Bay person. Yeah. Um, Did you have a surfboard under your arm? Sometimes, <laughs> not at the pub, but you know, sometimes, and that would be. I guess that's a good um, uh, conversation starter. Yes, definitely. I mean, you started the conversation with us when we landed, saying that you've got two paddle boards. Mm. I feel like that would have been your. I've got a surfboard. <laughs> Do you want to come over? That was exactly my pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, Byron Bay. But we're in Sydney right now. So you've spent some time in Sydney, obviously. Mm. I've been in Sydney for six years now. Right. Um, I guess as it's a big, as a, the largest city in Australia, it's the big uh, draw card. It attracts people for work, for study, for um, culture, the museums, the galleries. That's why people come to Sydney. Uh, it's also a beautiful city. It's right on the harbour. Uh, nice beaches, nice ocean, good, good weather, 
good climate. Yeah. It's a pretty attractive place to, to come to live. Yeah, I, I have fallen in love with it for its beauty and for climate. Um, does it make you miss Byron? Because Byron's a bit of a different lifestyle. Yeah, it's very different to Byron Bay. It's a, um, Byron Bay has a much slower pace of life. Sydney's more busy, hustle bustle, uh, the big city life. Byron Bay, it's quieter. The tallest buildings may be three stories tall. So it has a much more relaxed feel. And uh, in Byron, you don't have to wear shoes. Yeah, it'd be strange to see someone with shoes on. <laughs> Did you not wear shoes? Never. Really? Never. I hated wearing shoes. And it was a point of pride to not wear shoes when you go to the supermarket I or really? um, go to the shops. Wow. What about a, a tourist coming through, like a, a German backpacker? Mm. Would they would they wear shoes? Yeah, usually. I think because it's unusual for them to mm. not wear shoes in public. In so the shop. almost that's a tell of who's local. In a way, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and you did Brisbane. You lived in Brisbane yeah. for a bit. That's where that I stayed with you. Years, four yeah. years in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, that was for university. Again, Byron Bay, just its location, uh, northern New South Wales. So that's sort of halfway up the country on the east coast. The closest large city is Brisbane. And so naturally people, after they finish high school go into university the closest for university would be brisbane yeah yeah that's a difference in the uk that you may already be aware of that we kind of go all over the country for university and we stay there well you know you actually did a fairly similar situation because you lived with some uni mates didn't you i think in the uk it's very common to go to another city yeah. to uh, study in a completely different city to where you grew up Australia, people tend to either stay at home with their parents because mm. the cost of living is so expensive, the cost of renting. Um, oh. Usually people would stay in their own city and uh. study in that city or travel not too far to the closest large city or, or where there's the closest university. Yeah. Another thing is that we really think about the university and the degree, like the matching up of the respect of that school and the the education that you're getting. So like Stacey Nottingham was very, very sought after for arts in general. Um, obviously, you've got the Oxfords and Cambridge, but like, you know, you would you would really think about what you're studying and what is the best school in your country for that thing. Is that a thing majorly here or not? No, I'd say not. No. Each university probably has the same subjects. So, and they're all more or less equally known for mm. or renowned for, for that particular subject. So Interesting. less, less of an emphasis on that yeah. in Australia than probably the UK. Right. What did you study? So in Brisbane, I studied what was called a Bachelor of Arts. The majors were Criminology and International Ooh. Relations. Ah, um, did not know that. And that was immediately after high school. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to study, but they sounded very interesting and they were very interesting subjects. Ah, okay. So they were, that was my Bachelor. Yeah, Criminology. Mm. Yeah, I did, not, I did not know that about you. Or maybe you told me when we were in your uni digs. Maybe. But the geckos... Distracted me somewhat, <laughs> dropping from the ceiling, and everyone's like, ah! and I'm like, ah. um, criminology. Okay, and then after that, you pivoted somewhat. I, I did. So I after that, I studied law. 
or at least a uh, what's called a master's of applied law. Right. So it wouldn't allow me to practice law, but it would give me a foundation and understanding of law. Mm-hmm. So I studied that again in Brisbane. Yeah. But six of those months I did in Austria, in Salzburg. Aha. Uh-huh. And was that the first exposure to living abroad? Uh, I travelled when I was younger abroad, but yeah. that was the first experience living in the same place, in the same town, and really immersing myself in that local culture. How was that experience? It was good. It was, again, I come from Australian summer and arrived in Austrian winter. So like you, your experience of cold to hot was the reverse. Yes. So scorching hot summer right into freezing sub-zero Austrian winter. Yeah. And and mentally that, for me, it was going from depressed to very happy. Was yours the opposite? No, I think there's always, um, it's always exciting when you go somewhere new. Yeah, that's true. Even if it's cold and dark, it's still exciting and different. Yeah, 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 that's true. And also, I I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but Australians have a sort of romantic association with the cold and like snow. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's always that sort of, you know, Christmas time, we, we don't experience cold snow. So we have this sort of idealized fantasy um fairy tale view of winter yes but to be honest austria lived up to that fairy tale expectation nice you know it's um it's a very beautiful area lots of snow beautiful mountains and yeah i think it did kind of match up to that that idealized expectation yeah in germany we had the german markets around christmas time did they have yeah they did markets they did and there's also i can't remember the name of the festival where um people wear scary costumes with big horns hairy outfits and they walk around the streets and scare children i'll google it krampus that's it yeah Tourists in Austria have been shocked by a terrifying Christmas tradition where people dress up as Krampus and run through the streets with sticks. Krampus, is that um, Santa Claus? Is no, that- I don't know what, what its background is, um, but it's definitely terrifying. <laughs> wow. So that was, oh my gosh, that is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at an incredibly scary mask of a man that's got like vampire teeth on steroids and a molding face and huge horns and i think the um the scarier the costume the better so they the participants try to outdo the others with the most scary costume did you get involved oh, i got scared yeah i guess <laughs> that's getting scared. involved yeah but that was very early on in your experience that's so right, yeah just yeah. a spectator perhaps yeah any other memorable experiences in Salzburg? Well, I guess coming from Australia, I always focus on the things that are very different to what we have at home. Uh, so the mountains were incredible, the snow, the forests, uh, the old medieval streets and castle overlooking the town. Yeah. And just the way that people get about, I guess, bicycles, public transport was very efficient. Whereas in Australia, I don't know, it's a, it's maybe a little bit more like America where there's a heavy focus on personal cars and travelling by car. Yes. Whereas in Austria, I was amazed at how effective the 
buses were and everyone was able to ride around yeah. on bicycles. I can imagine that suiting your personality a bit more. You prefer yeah. that? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Did you have a bike? Yeah, I bought an old 20 euro secondhand bike. <laughs> 20 euro. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So Salzburg. And then what was after that? So after that, I got a job in Australia, which allowed me to work very intensively for three months of the year. So I'd be doing 10 hour, 12 hour days for right. three months of the year in Australia. Yeah. And then I would use the rest of the year to travel. And I'd do a little bit of work here and there, a couple of hours per day, five days a week, for example. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Hang on, 10 to 12 hour days. That's long, but that's not insane. No, it's not. A, no. Okay, okay to, sorry. To maybe. do like three months and then have <laughs> the rest off. Yeah, it would be seven days a week though. Um, oh, okay. Three months. Oh, seven days a week. Yeah, so no yeah. rest yeah, for those three months. That's cramming it in. You liked that approach to life. Yeah, Just, I like to work hard and then And then take relax. a long time off. <laughs> yeah. So where did you go on the first time where you had the rest of the year off? I think the first time I went overseas was to the UK. I spent some time in Northern Ireland, in Scotland and down in England. Right. Quite a few variations in the way that the people speak and behave. Yeah. Did you, did you notice any preferences? Yeah. In fact, I'd probably say the Scottish were, were more friendly or at least open than the English to meeting new people. Uh-huh. And then the Irish, even more so. Ah. The right. Northern Irish were very friendly. Yeah. Um, they take well to Aussies? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think um, as an Australian, you're quite a novelty over there. Uh-huh. Okay, so you experienced those three countries. And then did you go to the mainland much in that stint? Yeah, so I did spend quite a bit of time in, in Germany. What was the reason that you went from the UK or the British Isles to then? Well, I guess... What took me to Europe in the first place was I met a, um, a girl in Australia, oh. a German who, of course, was traveling in, in Australia. And that's what motivated me to go to Europe in the first place. Did you meet her in Byron when you had a... That's right. I had a, a surfboard, surfboard under my arm. <laughs> Is that how you met her? Not quite. <laughs> but the next time I met her, I did have a surfboard under my arm. I think that's what cemented it. <laughs> and I met her. Right? You did. Yes. Yeah, yeah you did. Lara. Yeah. Lara. You yeah. did. In, I was about in to Brisbane. say Lana, but Lara. Yeah. Yeah. In Brisbane, you met her. Yes. And maybe even in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. So you were with her for quite a few years. Yeah. A number of years. Yeah. I think six years or so. Yeah. Right. Okay. So she took you to Germany. That's right. Where in Germany? So I was living in Berlin for the majority, but then we did a lot of travel around as well. And I lived in Munich for some time. Uh, and Germany's it's fairly small country by Australian standards, but really different within that small space. The people in Germany are quite different from north to south, east to west. Mm. There's a lot of variation within Germany within such a small area. Oh, okay. For example? Well, I guess the lower down in the south, close to Bavaria, which is similar to Austria mm -hmm. in terms of their attitudes. And then you go further north to Berlin where it's a bit more, I guess it's a bit more open. People are more familiar with people from overseas in a city like Berlin, which is a big capital. 
uh, whereas Salzburg, they're not as used to foreign people. And so it was a little bit harder, I think, to make friends in that sort of area compared to Berlin, which is a very open, big city. Yeah. Did you spend much time down there in Bavaria? Down south? I did, yeah. And my initial thought was that it was a more closed, conservative society. Yeah. Uh, but then I think it's just, it takes a bit of time to get to know people. Once you know them, they they open up more and it's easier to make friends once you get to know them, but it can take a little bit of time. Yes. And did you speak any German while you were there? I tried to learn a little. Yeah. I wasn't the best, but I think by by learning a little and, and by making that effort, that really helps as yeah, well. That opens, opens up. Did you manage to get to like almost conversational? No. No? Oh, very limited conversational within <laughs> specific contexts i could have a conversation a great listener yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> nice so you spent quite a few years in germany and then you, you traveled around outside of germany throughout those years yeah so the way that i could stay in europe for so, as long as i did was yeah. by hopping from country to country and taking out a working holiday visa in those in those neighboring countries mm, that's right uh, Okay. So as an Australian, we had access to German, Dutch, UK, Irish working holiday visas. Mm -hmm. And by renewing each year, I'd get a different visa. They'd only last for a year. Right. I'd get a new one each year. And that would allow me to stay in Europe right. for longer than I would otherwise be able to yeah. if I was just a tourist. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in that moment... Were you thinking, I assume the answer is no, but were you thinking what the long-term solution would be? Answer is no. <laughs> no, I was def definitely didn't have a long-term plan in mind. <laughs> yeah, fair enough at that age. You were like, what, 23? It would have been from, yeah, age 23 to 27 or yeah, so. Yeah. What led you back to Australia? Well, I guess eventually I had to ask myself that question. What is the long-term plan? And um, I could see that it was not a long-term sustainable plan. Mm. Eventually, it is easier to have roots and establish yourself in a particular location. Yeah. That definitely does make things easier and more sustainable. It'd be, it would be difficult to continually jump from country to country. Mm. When you were jumping from country to country, I imagine your your trips that you were experiencing, they weren't quite the typical sort of hotel by the pool all-inclusive kind of thing i imagine you liked the backpacker kind of lifestyle well yes in a way but also to travel for that long and to live overseas for that long when you're not earning very much money you forced to find the cheapest options and the cheaper alternatives to uh, cook your own meals eat out and would be only on very special occasions and even then it'd be the most cheap places that you could find also i was lucky that i had a lot of cousins or distant cousins or uh, even people who i'd met while traveling who kindly would offer a bedroom or a couch for a couple of weeks and so by going from the kind hospitality of of someone that you'd met recently or a family member i was able to stretch out my travel longer than i otherwise would have yeah yeah and i guess it's it is also an exciting way to travel 
rather than staying in fancy hotels all the time. <laughs> Definitely. When you look back at those memories, I know there's a lot of years that you packed in there, but are there any that stand out to you that you were particularly thrifty with? Some of the trips, you were like quite proud of how how you managed to get by on in one moment on such a small amount of money. Well, yes. I mean, I don't know if other people would consider them to be proud moments. But for example, I remember being in Montenegro, a city called Kotor, which I arrived very late at night on the bus and I thought I could find a cheap hostel. But unfortunately, they were all closed. The only places still open were expensive hotels. And I asked, went into one and I asked the price and it was very expensive. And I asked, oh, is there anything cheaper, even a broom closet, for example? And he said, no. This uh, is like the said, modern oh, have... day Joseph and Mary story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, I, have, I have 30 euros. Would that be enough for the cheapest room? And he said, no, for 30 euros, you can sleep on the street. And I thought, hmm, you know what? I will. <laughs> so then I walked around the city and I found a, um, an old abandoned house. And it was being, I think there was, it was in the process of being repaired. So there was some cement bags, some doors that were yet to be placed on the house. And I found an, a new door, so it was clean, <laughs> new timber door, which was yet to be put on to be placed on into the door frame. Right. So it was laying flat on the on the floor. And I thought, oh, this looks like a comfortable bed <laughs> for at least one night. What? The door? The door. So, the yeah, do I slept on the door. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were going to say you propped the door up and you made it, like, sealed. So you had a oh, house. Okay, okay. So you no, slept, I slept on the door. Out, was this winter? No, it was it was summer. I think it wasn't okay. too cold. I, yeah, I did need a jacket to be. I placed a jacket over myself for a, a blanket. But <laughs> <used the> <laughs> that's great. What and I did, did you pay that hotel manager thirty euros? No, no, I put the thirty euros back in my pocket and walked out of there. <laughs> and then I found the this, the door. The door. I actually placed because I was. There wasn't a door on this house. I was a, a bit worried that someone in the middle of the night could just walk in. So I just put two sticks across the doorway so that if somebody were to walk through, yeah. they would knock the sticks and I'd wake up and and then I could <laughs> run away. Oh, okay. So the door, it was in the house. It, was it wasn't in, on the side. in the house, yeah. Outside. Okay. Inside the house. So the door, the, the house didn't have a door on it. Mm. It was, it had sandbags. And it was dark. So you were, you were like, oh, what's going on in here? You walked in and you saw the door and you're like, that's a nice door. That could make a good bed. Exactly. And it was made of wood. It was a wooden door. It was but, but, but hang on, doors are normally quite like, they've got a lot of engravings normally. Like a regular panels. surface. No, this was a smooth, yeah. smooth door. It was a comfortable. Smooth door. Yeah. I like your thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a pillow? I used um, some clothes as a pillow. Yeah. Did you get some sleep? Yeah, some sleep. But during the middle of the night, I heard a noise. The, <gasps> the sticks. The sticks falling. <gasps> and I freaked out thinking, oh my goodness, someone's coming in. But, um, and I woke in a panic 
but looked up and there was a cat coming through the door. Oh. Hmm. Where was the owner if there was a cat? I think it was just the town cat. The town cat. Yeah, fair enough. That's hilarious. (laughs) Right. What what country? Where was that? This was in Montenegro. Okay. We will be leaving the free version of this episode here for today. But if you did want to continue listening to this conversation, then head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com where you can sign up to the Premium Podcast or the Academy. The Premium Podcast gives you the ad-free version with transcripts, a full glossary and flashcards, whereas the Academy gives you all of that plus a whole lot more, including vocab video lessons, writing assignments, weekly Zoom classes, and you can also get paired with a new speaking partner of a similar level to yours each month to really get your speaking practice in. But if you were just here for the free version of this episode, then I thank you very much. Congratulations for getting to the end of this part. And I hope to see you back here next week for another episode. I've been your host, Charlie, on the British English podcast. <laughs>